Great, fantastic. So today uh, we will be learning the at least the first half of the story of Gid'on. Now, which parak are we up to today? Quick question. I we just did parak Zayn. And because of that, I'm not going to give the shir about Perik Chet, because I don't want to give any spoilers. But really, the story of Gidon can be separated into many different parts. But here we're going to see it separated into two parts. The part we're going to talk about today, which is Perik Vav Zayn, and the part which we're not going to talk about, which is Perik Chet, and some may even say, continues into Perik Tet. So, starting... Uh, come join us. Starting with Perik, uh, starting with Perik Vav. Right, so now we all recognize the story of Gidon. I assume you've all learned it inside. The story of Gidon is a very important story because Gidon is one of the main Shoftim of Sefer Shoftim. Who are the Shoftim we've had so far? Just a very quick recap. We started off Perik Aleph Bet, learning about the whole model of the Shoftim, how it works, what it's all about, and so on and so forth. We then actually started learning about the Shoftim themselves. The first Shofet was? Odnir ben Knaz. Very good. The second Shofet was? Ehud ben Gira. Very good. The third Shofet was the one we don't know very much about. Sham Gabed on that. The fourth Shofet-ish was Dvarau Barak. Right? And the fifth one now is Gidon. Now, the story of Gidon is fascinating because unlike all the other Shoftim, how many Prakim did... Uh, well, we see, Perik Aleph Bet were an introduction. Perik Gimel was talking about the first two, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even three. Let's just double check. Right? The first three Shoftim, which were Otniel, Ehud, and Shamgar. Then, that means three Shoftim per Perik. Then we have Dvoral Barak, who gets how many Prakim? Exactly. So one plus another one, right? One plus one is two. Now, Gidon, alright, gets three Prakim. With an extra one, his, the story of his sons, which is Perik Tet, which you'll see coming up during the week. So Perik Vav, we meet Gidon. Perik Vav begins with, interestingly enough, the story, the background of the story of Gidon. Who's attacking? Who's the big bad boss this time? Who's the enemy? Midian. Midian, exactly. Midian are a nomadic people, and so they are coming in and they are attacking, and Gidon... Where do we find Gidon? Again, this is not a test, uh, just to see, but since this is Tanakh Bekut, it's useful often to jog our memory. We find Gidon very, in- Gidon very interestingly, and there are all sorts of hints in picture grams on the board. Uh, we find Gidon, what's the first symbol? Wait, uh, making wine, making wine. Wheat in a wine press. Wheat in a wine press, exactly, right? bagat. <laughs> Which is basically what the, what the, which is a, a, a byword for what we could understand today is he's gone underground, right? He's hiding, he's doing stuff which is weird in places where they don't belong, trying to evade, because that's what the Midianim were after. They were trying to get the stuff. So he goes to the Gat, no one's going to know, and so on and so forth. Right, Chovet Gidim Bagat. And then who appears to him here? The Malach, right? The Malach appears to him and he says, Listen, mate. You're the, you're the boss, right? Or even better, there's a very interesting story, as you mentioned very well. Hollywood has nothing on Tanakh. So first of all, nonchalantly, he comes and sits down under the tree. By the way, it's very important. People sitting under trees is a, is a big thing. 
right? Trees were big meeting places. He sits under trees and he says, Asher be'ofra, Asher le'yoash, Avi Ezri, v'gidon b'noch, v'ed gitim b'gat, l'anis b'nei midyan. V'ayal of Malach Hashem v'yomer elav, Hashem m'chai gibor ha'chayin. Or to put it into more lay terms, What's up, dude? Alright? Hashem imchai gibor ha'chayil, we know a similar concept from another time of Shvot HaShoftim, right? Hashem imachem. Right, fine. You're all b'nei kivanix, good. Where does that come from? Boaz, exactly. Ruth and Boaz. Which was, at which period in Jewish history? Shoftim. Exactly. So Hashem imachem is the natural greeting, but he calls him gibor ha'chayil, right? You're the big ace. You're the big dude. You are the strong warrior. Now, Gidon has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. So first of all, Gidon says, right? Biadoni, ah. Why is this happening? Right? Like kind of, what are you talking about? Like, who are you messing with? Where is this Hashem? Ah, all these stories that I've been told. Basically, we find Gidon as someone who is a, to a certain degree, at the beginning, he is angry. And there are a lot of people that say, why was Gidon chosen? Because he was angry about this thing. Exactly. He felt something. He was, he was, he was in this. His whole family is over. They bow. What do they care? You know, all the stories, the Wubermeisters that we were told at the beginning. Gidon is the guy who's still, what's going on? What's he told to do? With the whole story of the Malach is there, Malach isn't there, it's not exactly clear. Afterwards, he disappears. Gidon's like, oh, wow. Then he tells him to do. What is he supposed to do? Exactly. Gidon's father is Yoash, Big Macha. He has a altar, and he also has a par, which is the equivalent of he's been preparing this, like kind of, I don't know how you could equivalent this, like kind of, he has been making this like wedding cake, right? That has taken him years, right? This, the, what's the example that he says? Hashem. <laughs> Right, he's been raising this for seven years, and he says, "You know what you want? You have to do with this." Right, that's exactly what he says. Right, you have now got to take that wedding cake and smash it all over your dad's Porsche. Okay. You've basically got to make a big scene. What is the purpose of this scene? To let people know that God's back. Right? This is opportunity number one. Basically saying, come out, proclaim, Hashem wa Elohim. Right? Where else we find building Mizbeach, being Makva, Par, saying Hashem wa Elohim? Hmm? Eliyahu, exactly. This is supposed to be an Eliyahu. And also Gidon is now walking into the crowd who's big of the Abal, and he's basically walking up and smashing this whole huge cake on the big Porsche in front of everyone in the main square. But what does Gidon do? Not yet. He does it at night. Now, what do you do at night? What are the things that you do at night? Things that you're embarrassed about, right? Things that you don't want people to know. So what does it say? He is afraid. It says explicitly, Gidon got cold feet. Alright? 
So he's a big talker, but he's not that big of a doer, he's goat feet. And we're going to see throughout awful prakim, the concept of fear is one of the biggest concepts going through Gidon. Right? Now, can you blame him? No. It's pretty scary going and, 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 and smashing up the Mizbeach of the Baal. As we see, the people did not react well, and that was when they didn't know who it was. Right? Imagine if he was doing it in front of everyone else. But nonetheless, that was first Nisayon for Gidon, and he... <coughs> he well, how much out of the hundred, how much did he get? 60. Let's give him a 60, alright? Because he got, he, he, got, he got basically the main idea, but it wasn't too good. Now, what was the point? Gidon was supposed to take the people, say Hashem Elohim, and lead the charge against Midian. What happens instead? The people wake up in the morning. Mm. What's going on? Basically says, let's kill Gidon. What does his father say? No, 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 no. Don't mess with the Baal. What does he say? If the Baal is so strong, he can come fight for fight himself. Exactly. So basically, which is saying, more or less, Gidon has Gidon is now started a war with Midian. Okay? If he loses the war, who punished him? The Baal. So now, is this suddenly a test of Hashem's strength or a test of the Baal's strength? There's the Baal strength. Is that the purpose of what Gidon was out there to go in the first place? No. Not really. I mean, obviously, by disproving the Baal, thumbs up. But that's not what the point was. The point was to prove Hashem. Because what happens if Gidon loses the battle, then who's proven? Baal. The Baal. So, we're, we're, so it's like kind of a, a, limp, a limp guess. Right, now, next. Then Gidon goes out to fight. And there's all sorts of interesting understandings of what exactly happened here. He sent Shlichim to all of, the na- all of the Shvatim around saying, Guys, this is it. Come on. We're going to fight. And then suddenly he gets cold feet again. Right? How does that happen? What's the story? Exactly. Right? And we see, uh, we see, And they all come and gather in to attack him. First, he brings his family, which is Aviezer. Then, then he sends messengers to all of Menashe. Which is his tribe comes. And after his tribe, he sends to all of Asher's Volun Aftali. By the way, which tribes are these? In the land of Israel. What are we talking about? Right? Where is Menashe? Menashe is over here. Right? Well, I said where your pen is. Exactly, where my pen is. Where is Emek Israel? Emek Israel is more or less over here. Right? Emek Israel is bang in the middle. Where is Vulun and Naftali? Exactly. Asher is here. Naftali is here. And Zvulun is here, more or less. So, what Gidon does is he heads north to fight in Emek Israel. That's where the big fight's going to happen. And he says, listen, guys, let's gather around. What else, which other Shevet appears suddenly at the end of the story, the end of Perik Zayn? Ephraim. Ephraim, exactly. Where's Ephraim? Ephraim's over here. Really over here, right? That's Ephraim. And what happens? The Emek Israel, they all run away to get to Midian, which is over here. And what, and what does he say to Ephraim? Catch him, catch him on the river, catch him on the river. And it's very important to recognize that this main crossing way of the river, right? It's a big deal. We find that we're going to find that again later with Yiftach. He who controls the river, who controls the bridges, controls the entrance and exit from Israel. Right? It's the equivalent of today 
whenever you have a battle in Iraq or Syria, or it, who controls the airport? Whoever controls the airport, to a certain degree, got the place by the, the jugular. Right, fine. So, suddenly, now, I want you to tell me if there's anything that rings with this story. You know what? I'm going to test you, God. I'm not sure. If you're going to save us, give me a sign. What's the sign? The wool. Exactly. Well, he does it twice. He first of all says either the wool will be wet and everything else will be not wet. And there are all sorts of understandings what this represents. The wool represents the uh, the uh, the armies of Mitian, who were like kind of shepherds and, and, and were scavengers and they went from place to place and the tal represents the agriculture there's all sorts of the battle between the, the hunter-gatherer and the uh, agricultural worker all sorts of historical and philosophical books have been written on this very highly recommended Philosophy of the Old Testament by uh, Chazoni Yoram Chazoni very good book it talks about this but then, rem- tell me what this next pasuk reminds you of. And I doubt, and I, and, and I'd be very interested to see if any of you actually picked up on this. What does that remind you of? It says, it says, okay, don't be annoyed with me. And let me just ask one small thing more. Moshe and Pharaoh, no. Go back a bit. Let me open the Pasuk. No. Yes. Right? When Avram Hashem, when they're trying to, to save Sdom. Hashem says, It's very clear that the person that's writing the story of Gidon is referring him back to Avram Avin. And Ad Kedekach is this connection made, that this connection is even made the other way as well. For example, what happened with Gidon? He breaks all his father's idols. Where does that come from? The Medrash builds the story of Avram on the story of Gidon. Right? Gidon takes a, ba- a bunch of men and runs and destroys a big army. What does that remind us of? Abraham taking his people, who are how many by the way? Same numbers, right? Fine. So there's all sorts of connections going on between, Abraham, between Gidon and Abraham. Now I'll tell you some interesting points. In Perichet, I want you to look out for connections between Gidon and someone else. Okay? And if you figure it out, send me a text because there's a medrash, there's a uh, there's magician talking about this, but it's very clear uh, connections between Gidon and someone else, and we'll see all sorts of other connections between Gidon and other people as well. So first of all, he tries this. Then Hashem basically gives him the sign. Now, did Gidon really fail with asking another another auto? Was that okay? Well. It seems a bit excessive, a bit paranoid, alright? So let's give him an 80 out of 100, alright? Because that wasn't really necessary. Then, Gidon is told, listen, the army you've got is too much. Now what do you tell someone who's scared of the water, who starts wearing a life jacket? Do you come to him and say, ah, your life jacket is too big. 
Here's a small one. Right? He's paranoid. He's afraid. Hashem says, Exactly! Get over it, man! Your army's too big. That's not the point. That's not the point. Don't think that the army's going to save you. Yes. My problem with that is, it's like God saying, I want to show you that it's, a, it's purely to, like to buy that you're going to win, have a small army. And then he brings in this really cool military tactic. If he wanted it to be purely the of Hashem, they'd all walk in, no armor, with like, like a stick in their hand and smile an entire nation. Well, that's, that's very interesting you say that, because we'll get that into just a second. But hold that thought. He cuts his army. First time. He cuts his army... Second time, right? He says, nah, Od Am, right? You still got too many. This whole story, I'm not going to go into it because, into it because of lack of time. Uh, what's the point of the guys that are bowing down, drinking, the guys that are standing up? There are two main sheets of understanding this. Why the difference, why to differentiate between the two of them? One of them, one of them is, is bowing down to the idols. Those that bow down easily, they must be idol worshippers. We see that Baal was very rife in those times. So there's, there's a third aspect, which is a mensch. For example, if you take water from your hand, then you can give it to a friend. But if you're just lapping it up on your face, then you can't get it of anyone else. Again, it's like the more answers there are, it just shows how big the question is. The third answer uh, is a military answer, which basically says those who basically kind of throw everything away and just like, they're not ready to fight a battle. But those who are on guard and like take some water and still on guard, they're the guys that are good warriors. So, all sorts of different she thought. I've even heard otherwise, but we'll see. Then, basically, even then, Gidon's basically panicking now because his army is small. How many people are left? 300. 300 people, right? Reminding us of Spartacus. Fine. Uh, sorry, not Spartacus. Uh, 300 Spartans, yes. Then, we have the dream. The dream is really weird because Hashem basically tells Gidon, listen, mate, what does he say? Let's read the Psukim. We're already now in Perak. He tells him to go down. Zion. If you're scared. Exactly. So he tells him to go down. What does going down mean? Go fight. Attack! Go for it! Right? What does he say? Right? We saw a very similar posik with the Vorah Barak. She basically says, Attack! Yalla! Right? But if you're scared of going alone, take your na'ah with you, and then you'll go and hear this dream, and then what's hap- supposed to happen next, when you realize that they're really with you, Follow what I just said. then attack! We see, we'll see this later on in the book of Shmuel, that Yonatan and his na'ah, armed with a stick, attacked the whole Plishti army and defeated them. Just them. This was supposed to what was this was what was supposed to happen with Gidon. Instead, what does Gidon do? Ah, Hashem is with me. All right, everybody, come with me. Right? He goes back and calls everyone. When Gidon goes back and calls everyone, then he needs a tactic. It was only meant to be him and So it seems from the psukim that was the plan A. Just him, or just him and the Nar. Because what is the whole point? Hashem doesn't need the numbers to beat the enemy. It doesn't matter if you're one, if you're two, if you're 300, if you're 3,000. That's not the point. So why is it making a difference if you're 300 or if you're one? So Gidon, anyway, he routes the people using, interestingly enough, and this is another point out, what do you take to war? No, what's the first thing you need to take to war? A sword. All right. 
So fine. So you've got your sword in one hand. And then what does a Gidon say to do? Put down the sword and pick up two other things. Exactly. Right? You've got a shofar and you've got a cad, right? Lapid with a cad. Basically, a lapid and a cad is the equivalent of a Molotov cocktail. Right? Okay? Because you throw the cad, it breaks, right? Makes a big noise, makes a big flame, looks like they're under attack. The shofar is supposed to completely disoriented people, right? You know what a shofar can do. Imagine, right? Imagine, right there, Rohirrim, Lord of the Rings, the third, right? Where's your sword? At best, it's on your hip, right? But it's not in your hands. So that's why they say, Cherev, because I don't have a cherev. I'm holding a torch and a, and a trumpet, right? I don't have the sword. The sword is not mine. Now, we talked about this, the, the whole question of cherev l'ashem l'gidon. Should it be cherev l'ashem v'l'gidon or just cherev l'ashem? Theoretically, really, it should be cherev l'ashem. That's the whole point. That's the key. Basically, Hashem, in, 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 in some kind of cartoonish way, we can imagine Hashem going like a... Oi, he messed it up again, right? He messed it up again. Gidon, Gidon, Gidon keeps failing. And then at the very end, and we're going to stop with this because the next is the next parak. Gidon captures these two people. Who are these two people? What are their names? Ze'ev and Orev. Very important names. Why are they important names? Because they're animals, which are ferocious. Who, which other, uh, and you can't answer this, which other animal names do we have of characters in the Tanakh? Who else is called an animal? Asael. What animal is that? No. Well, there was two in the previous in, in the previous Shofet. Who was the previous Shofet? Dvorah. be. And who was the other heroine of that story? Yael. Yael is, an, is a deer. Is, a, is a, some kind of uh, mountain goat. Interesting enough, women. There's another woman. You can answer this if you want. Another Nevi'ah, who has a, a name, pretty... Nochana, Nochaya, pretty random name. She's called Khulda, which basically means rat or weasel. She's a lovely name to give a little daughter. Yes. And we also have other names that are well known, right? In Judaism, a lot of people are given names of animals. Dov, Zev, Aryeh, right? Ayal, Tzvi, right? Chamor. Stop. There's a guy in Tanakh called Chamor as well, right? Chamor, son of Shechem. Uh, sorry? Exactly. Donkey. Uh, but um, there are all sorts of interesting people. Yonah, for example, named after a dove. All, uh, all sorts of very interesting people. But either way, these people are defeated. And Gidon manages to avert some kind of political scandal or political hullabaloo with the Shevet of Ephraim. And here's just an interesting... Entity, uh, at, who, where, which Shevet is, is, is Gidon from? Menashe. Menashe, right? Who is Menashe's brother? Ephraim. Ephraim. So Ephraim and Menashe should be close, no? But in Sefer Shoftim, Ephraim and Menashe, even Ephraim and Menashe, who are the brothers of Yosef, even they don't get, even, even though they don't get on together, right? Because Gidon has a whole battle with Ephraim. Who else is going to have a whole battle with Ephraim? Or rather, Gidon managed to avert a battle with Ephraim. Who else has a battle with Ephraim? Everybody Well, that's Binyamin. But who else has a battle with Ephraim? Yiftach. Yiftach is from the other half of Menashe. Right? And he also has a battle with Ephraim. So that's just a spoiler 
for the next few weeks. And I recommend you keep your eye out for all sorts of hints in the story, right? Referring Gidon to different people. And I want you to tell me after tomorrow, right? Who is Gidon referred to or which psukim are supposed to remind us of Gidon and someone else in Perik 